0: folks welcome back to the dc3 cast my name is brian with me as always are vince and zach first up we're going to talk about aquaman number two written by chuck brown and brandon thomas illustrated by sammy bossery i want to start with a comment here that i really enjoyed about this issue and then i want to let you guys go off on it for a second one of the things that we are accustomed to in comics in part because of the era in which we grew up but also just because if you read comics enough these things happen Like, we've seen Batman and the Joker have to team up now and then to take on some sort of threat bigger than ever. Superman and Lex Luthor do this all the time, right? But I loved in this issue how Jackson cannot wrap his mind around Arthur and Black Manta teaming up. How to him, it's just, it's so against everything he knows. And even like Mira and Tempest, everybody else like, yeah, wait, this can't be happening. I really enjoyed that because I feel like if this was the real if this was the real world and these people actually existed, you would be aghast at seeing a superhero and a supervillain teaming up. You would always assume that the superhero has like gone rogue as opposed to the villain going legit. It would cause a real controversy in your mind. And I think that this issue does a really good job of showing Jackson in that situation and showing his frustration at other people not believing him that this is actually happening. I think that's my favorite part of the whole issue, which I enjoyed in general, but I, that was my favorite part. I wanted to say that before I forgot about it. So, Vinci, what did you think of this issue?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good point. I think like um, you, would, you would forgive me for, for being sarcastic whenever we get a new solicitation that's like, Batman is going to cross one line he never thought he would. He's got to work with the Joker, you know. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like, like Jackson just clearly never read Batman Europa, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, having said that, like, I think you know that's cynical me on the outside looking at a premise that that is well worn. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I can't think of a time where Aquaman and Black Manta had to work together and um, you know, I could be wrong. I've never, I haven't read every Aquaman comic ever, but it just seemed, it seems like more of a thing. In fact, I think somebody in the comic I think says like they've never worked together before or something like that. And I just take that at face value. And I think the book commits to it in a way that you're right. It tre- It treats it with gravity that, you know, Maybe lesser writers wouldn't necessarily have done that, you know. And it's effective yeah. here, I think. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. First of all, it looks great. Um, yeah, Sammy Basri's art uh, is fantastic at telling a story like this. Which this is gonna, <laughs> this is going to sound like an insult, but I really don't mean it as one. This the the whole Aquaman universe since um Brandon Thomas kind of took over some of the pieces and Chuck Brown um has felt like not like prestige TV but like one of those really slick like burn notice or something just one of those really slick like (laughs) suits Suits. (laughs) Uh, uh what was that one with Rose Byrne on AMC um oh um oh god Glenn Close right uh you're not, you know, the, you're not thinking of the closer, are you? No, no, no. That was uh, that was some, uh, or maybe it was the closer. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, yes. It's just, it's, it's really um, slick, well made, um, uh, just smart enough, uh, but not like full of itself at all. Like, it still knows what it is. It still knows it's a comic, right? this isn't like Brandon Thomas pretending to be Tom King writing Batman as this like self-important Epic, right? It's just slick, really well-made comics with really strong um, relationships and just juggling all these different elements in a way that really goes down so smoothly, just like, like a really, like a really great hour of television. Um and I, I that's so stupid to compare comics to TV, but I, I couldn't help but think of like the the like B-level prestige TV shows, you know, not, not like your Mad
0: Men, your Sopranos, but like the level, like one or two levels below that. Well, I think that's a really good observation, actually, because this issue, there was a time when I was I flipped the page and I was like, oh, wait, there's still a substantial amount left in this. Issue like a lot happens in this issue. It's it it feels like there's multiple scenes that happen throughout, and so many times with comics of this type, it the comic just becomes one big sequence. But this has like episodic elements to it. So I think that's actually a very good call. Uh, Zach, yeah, it, think it is. It, oh, su- it is substantial.
1: Oh, I was just gonna. I was agreeing with you that it is substantial. Sorry, uh, Zach, go ahead.
2: Um, <clears throat> I like this. Maybe not as much as you guys did. I I mostly really enjoyed it from a, from an artistic standpoint. I think, like you said, Sammy Sammy Basseri's art is extremely good. Um, I I thought that the Jackson like uh, going on about the Aquaman like the Arthur Black to team up thing was. It, it it made sense in character, but it also just like, it just came off as kind of annoying to me. It's just like, do you not know that the name of this book is Aquaman and he is one <laughs> of the Aquaman? Like, do you not understand the basic concept of the book that you're in? <laughs> and it just, it, uh, on like a meta level, I just like.
1: No, he thinks he and Arthur are the, are only, the, Aquaman. Are the only
2: Aquaman. Huh. It just like,
1: He's looking at the cover right now, and he's incredulous.
2: I I just like I understand like that this is a logical story beat and a logical stance for the character to take, but ultimately I just thought it was kind of boring, and I wanted to know more. I, I wanted it, it. It got in the way of the parts of the story that I was more interested in, um, and and it also just made I, I don't. I've not loved the way that Jackson has been written, honestly, in a while. Um, not just under Thomas, he, he just like he he comes off as like maybe it's not even the way that he's written, but it's the way that he is perceived by other characters. Like you know, the whole last arc had to do with that the misunderstanding about him, you know, being a suspect for planting those bombs, and then all of the like you know him grappling with like the revelations of his of his mom's history and everything and he just comes off as a character that is just like he- so heavily like doubted by others and like so unsure of himself and kind of like a loose cannon like we see in this issue very like unstable and it's just not exactly where I would like the character to be even if i guess it is kind of a compelling place for the character to be it's just it's just not really what i like so so i didn't enjoy it quite as much if if that makes sense
1: yeah I, and I, I do think i i said last time we talked about this book that i i did think we were past the uh jackson is a hothead portion of his character and i, I guess we're not yeah we're not um, but i'm i'm chalking that up to that's just the way that's just the way dc and marvel comics are a a character if a character ever has growth it's like five years later
2: (laughs) sure i i also thought it was very interesting how like the sections with jackson and and mira and tempest which i want to say are like I, I the, the combination of the characters and like the way that the Aquaman family works is so cool and interesting to me now I think it's like the best aspect of this book but I thought it was funny how how densely wordy those sections were interspersed with the sections with Arthur and Black Manta which were silent um, mm. it was an interesting choice
0: good call Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And um, I have in my notes here. and I just want to read this note verbatim. I love any comic with the line. I need to call Frankenstein on Mars.
2: Uh, That is good. Yeah, that is
0: very good. But what I want to say about that, too, is I think it's interesting that Mira thinks that Arthur's acting weird, too. And I, I think that for for the comic reader that looks at these books through a certain angle, we've seen the. Hero and villainy to team up before thing. But maybe something is wrong with Arthur and we don't know that yet. And then I think this takes a very different tone. I think Jackson's concerns feel very different if there's a reason for him to actually be concerned beyond just he didn't read the solicit slash cover of the book.
1: Right, <laughs> right. I'm glad you brought that up too. The 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 thing about Mira specifically says something like, Ever since he's been back from Mars, he's been acting weird which is such a that's such a like silver slash bronze age thing because like there'll be there'll be an issue of superman where like he's acting funny on earth and lois and jimmy are like what's you know what's wrong with clark and then halfway through the issue you find out that he picked up some virus on planet blah 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 blah, blah. and by the end of the issue he has to rid himself of it and you know, it, it's it's that feels like such a throwback comic booky element. I hope they I hope there is something to that. I hope it's something wacky uh, and not just a disappointment. <laughs> it,
2: it's also very cool how like that was a, you know, kind of almost one off line in Aquaman the Becoming that that he was going to Mars with Frankenstein. And mm-hmm. we said at the time, like, oh, that's a story I'd really like to see. And now maybe we might get some of that like in flashbacks or something. Right,
0: right. Yeah. Which is <laughs> yes, cool. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sign me up. Uh, but it, it also just shows one of the things that we've talked about with this book and with Trial of the Amazons and with War for, War for Earth 3 is just that DC's done a good job lately of sort of building out the supporting cast and the fringes of some certain certain characters, worlds and uh, supporting casts and whatever. Um, but I think what... The problem with that can be is that you make Aquaman have his own little universe, and that stops touching the other stuff in the DC universe, at the wider DC universe. So during a line about Frankenstein on Mars here lets you remember that even though, yes, there are all these cool little things happening, and it's nice to see Tempest there and Tula and all of this, there's... Atlantis is still a part of the overall DC universe and it wasn't a big line and it wasn't necessarily a focal point so we still got the focus we want with the reminder of everything else that's out there so I I really enjoyed that and um, I see what you're saying Zach and I do understand that like for a if we're looking at Jackson as a character that was introduced in animation like Gosh, fifteen years ago, maybe now, maybe even more.
2: Not, no, not quite that long, but close to. Well, he
0: was in Brightest Day in 2010, and that was 12 years ago, and that was after he was already in TV.
2: He was on Young Justice, which it couldn't have been that much earlier. It might have been like 2009, eight or nine. Yeah. Okay. All
0: right. Well, regardless, I'll I'll Google it. Hang on. Um, But what I was going to say is, like, it feels like we should be past this part with Jackson. Mm-hmm. but then you remember like wait a minute oh 2010
1: wow okay wow. okay
0: that's that's crazy that they came out that that close together wow yeah um <clears throat> but you know we had jackson for a couple for like a, a year and a half in comics and then we didn't have jackson again until was it rebirth
2: um m- most yeah yeah rebirth i think yeah which again is like still one of the frustrating aspects of his character to me is that, right. you know, he he's kind of had this like start and stop uh, arrested development period where he kind of had to start over with a clean slate again after being essentially a clean slate already. So,
0: right. Well, that, that was going to be my point, which is that I feel like we keep resetting Jackson. Mm-hmm. And so, Unfortunately, there's not enough to the character for There's not enough for the character that has been carried over from writer to writer that we don't need a refresher on certain things. Mm-hmm. And so you're gonna get like this is his version of an early Jackson story. Even though we've already seen this story from other people in the past. I'm not I'm I'm not making that as an excuse. I just think that's why. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. But hopefully this is the experience that will allow other writers to build off this, because I think I mean, look, I don't I'm not paying super close attention to the sales or anything like that, but it seems to me like between Future State and then what we got in The Becoming and Black Manta and now in Aquaman, it seems to me like Jackson's here to stay and and we know he's going to be part of the justice league in dark crisis. So I hope that this is the beginning of the beginning of the end of these types of Jackson stories. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's, that
1: is something we say about comics a lot when we review them on here, which is, boy, I hope that's the last one of these (laughs) (laughs) retreads, you know, right. But I I do just think like that's one of those things you can't really hang on the writer. It's just it's the state that DC would like to keep their characters in, Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I think that's right. Any other notes on Aquaman? Mm I don't I don't think so. I don't think so, no. Cracking read, I think, what I would say. (laughs) <laughs> that'll be a pull quote on issue number six or something i hope so and they'll spell your name wrong my <laughs>
1: my my second pull quote ever what was your first five ghosts okay yeah
2: you'll be like me i one of my pull quotes is on like six trades of an of adventure time but um <laughs> image misquoted me and it made it made it put a typo into my quote that makes it read like really awkwardly <laughs> uh, and so it, but it looks like i wrote it that way and i've gone back to check my review multiple times and it uh comic a comic good day, Zach <laughs> basically, yeah yeah that's essentially what it's like yeah
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it makes me crazy
0: i have a poll quote on an issue of james robinson's fantastic four which is probably not earned. It was probably just me gushing over Starman. <laughs> like, you know.
2: In the, guts yeah, of like, quote. the Your actual quote, Fantastic Four is not as good as Starman. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic yeah. four is dot 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 as good as Starman.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh
1: yeah. James Robinson probably uh wanted a quote from Multiversity that didn't say that he wrote human beings that didn't talk like human beings.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I I know I've had Pokel to other things. I can't remember them at the moment though. The first time it happened, I was very excited though. That that felt <laughs> I wish my name was a lot of times it just has multiversity. You know. Um,
1: I uh I showed the guy at my local LCS my quote on the back of uh five ghosts, whatever issue that was. And mm-hmm. I was like hey look at that that's my name and he goes oh yeah look at that get the fuck out of here <laughs> like, why, why, why are you speaking to
2: me oh <laughs> man the whole pull quote is it is, I, I hope this isn't too like out of school to to talk about about how like there was definitely a time when I was writing comic reviews where it was like I would you you could sometimes pick a book knowing that if you picked that book and wrote about it favorably there's a there's a chance <laughs> you that you get might a get a pull quote, quote. <laughs> Uh, I don't I know, know, know if that's I, as I,
0: prevalent I, now. That was a yeah, thing for that sure was a for thing a for
2: for for a while. And I, I will. I never purposefully like. I never sold out enough to like gush over something just to get a pull quote. But uh, it was always in the back of my mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. We're spilling the multiversity beans here tonight. This uh, not is, uh... it's just
2: my beans; they're just my beans. <laughs>
0: um,
2: I mean, there was a why. There was a minute where you could review like any image number one, and like, oh yeah, it was a, it was a competition to get a get your your review quoted, <laughs> like amongst all of the the review sites.
0: This is an aside that has no business in this show. But <laughs> did you guys see that image official timeline book they released? Yeah. Did you see that they they put among their like Eisners and stuff when they won Multiversity Publisher of the Year? No. Yeah, if you look at the back, it says like publisher or Multiversity Comics all the years, they won it.
2: Oh, oh man.
0: Okay. So I said that to Matt. Take and Walt. that CBR. Yeah. I said to Matt and Walt, and they were like, what is this? I, like, I don't <laughs> know, man. It's big time stuff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh Anyway, let's let's talk about a comic again. Fans love shit like that.
1: Don't, 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 don't trample over all that.
0: I'm not trampling over. I'm just (laughs) saying it's time to move on. That's all. (laughs) Okay. I want to talk more about that. (laughs) You guys like more about the uh, politics of, uh, of early, early teens, image comics and multiversity comics. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are stories we can't tell on this podcast about that. No. All right. Up next is sensational. Wonder woman special. Number one written by some people, illustrated by some other people. We'll go well, through, the, well, we're going through the individual credits in a minute. I'm not going to read them all to go through them all in a minute. I'm not being that dismissive with this book. Brian's not procreator, real, real, guys. No, real reductive. Uh, procreator. Uh, I'm not going to go there. Okay, anyway. <laughs>
1: Brian, if we were in the same room, I would walk up and slap you right now. <laughs> and
0: uh, Comedy. Yeah, Exactly. So anyway, the first story is called Hell, Hath No Fury. It's written by Paula Sevenberger and illustrated by Paul Pelletier. And uh, Zach, what do you think of this first story?
2: I already forgot what happened. Hold on, let me. Uh... This wow. is the one where I was
0: being reductive. There's the kid in the Wonder Woman costume.
2: Oh yeah, this one was nice. This was a good story. I liked it. Yeah, um,
0: it was very sweet. This it one was, was a, sweet. This was the sweetest one in the book for sure.
2: Yeah, it was. It was good. I think it was probably the best one. The art was really good. Um, the the story was fun. Yes, I I did enjoy this one.
0: Yeah, I have no problem with this story. I mean, was it fantastic? No. But for for the type for for what it was going for in the book it was presented, this is a fine story. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, this is about as this is about about as much as you can ask an anthology story to do. And I really appreciated it on that level. And I thought it was genuinely touching. And (laughs) I love blue blue snowman because it's such a wacky design.
2: I don't think I've ever heard of blue stone snowman before. So, um, I like this character though.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's a goofy villain. I, I, I would think that I would eventually tire of ice themed villains. And yet DC keeps, uh, <laughs> keeps showing me their vast repertoire of interesting ice based villains.
1: Yeah. He's, uh, well, no, I, I, actually, I shouldn't say he, I should yeah, say, you're hey. right. Yep, it's uh yeah a uh, gender fluid even though <laughs> even though their name is blue snowman
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> it is a very <laughs> funny thing to have such a gendered name and uh well because
2: yeah. in this case it was the the original blue snowman was the father and then the reveal is that this is right. the, you know the child of uh, the original blue snowman
1: yeah but I love the design too just like a like Equal parts snowman and like wacky old school robot almost reminds you of like the old uh, Rankin and Bass uh, claymation stuff. Like the snowman from those specials. Yes. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. It was, this was a, a very good. This was a very good anthology story. Um, and I'm sure we're all expecting the book to just get better from here.
2: <laughs> I, well. I didn't. I didn't hate the Scott Collins story. No, it was actually a- pretty fun. I thought.
0: Yeah. So uh, next up is the Threat of Doom by Scott Collins, and this had very good art, and this is a fun idea. But uh, my notes say it's a fun idea done in by laborious dialogue, and oh, yeah. I stand by that.
1: I agree with that. I I, I kind of let the dialogue and, and the narration kind of like roll over my smooth brain as I read this, as I continued through it, because I liked the art so much and you know, I am a Scott Collins fan, but I, I think there are times where Scott Collins does really, really great work. And then there are times where he does just like good work. And I think this is a time where it's really, really great. Like this is as good uh, scott collins as i've ever seen i think um some of the detail in these big uh spreads where wonder woman's fighting the whatever that dragon whatever that big like a uh, dragon beast is called i can't remember what they call it but um some of those pages are really gorgeous and detailed and and i love that style and so i really enjoyed looking at this one the words were uh extremely inconsequential
0: to me <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to put it yes um yeah is anything to add to that no
2: no not really i i did really like the art though like this is some some of the best collins art i think i've seen in a while and i i generally really enjoy collins anyway so i i was here for that
1: and i don't know if I don't know if Collins was responsible for this or the letterer um, who was the letterer on this. I'm scrolling to try to find
2: Um,
1: the credits for this one there. Uh,
2: Ryan Christie,
1: Ryan Christie. So I don't know whether it was Collins or Christie, but a lot of the like sound effect lettering, Mm -hmm. uh, like the, the, the story is littered with that stuff and it's, all really well done and really well used i think um there's some time there's a a couple panels later in the issue where or later in the story where the the sound effect words are kind of like built into the scenery almost like you can like they're happening behind yes some buildings and they're like poking out from behind the buildings and just some really neat stuff done with that um that you don't you don't often see artists and letterers go the extra mile with that stuff, because um, because you don't need to. I mean, mo- most most of the time
0: you're not going to notice it, but I noticed it and appreciated it. Yes, I agree. I think that tep- typically tends to be the letterer that does that stuff, but I'm I'm honestly not sure in this instance who does that. But I yeah. agree, it was very very well done. I I almost
1: think it's the letterer too, just because it it is. You know, sometimes it's done in the same style as the art or like the, you know, like Scott Collins has a very distinct line, right? Yes. And the letter, the lettering in the sound effect stuff doesn't look the same. So I would suspect it's the letter, but I, you know, I know it can go both ways. So I,
0: I, I would love to know which it was. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Swapped by Stephanie Phillips and Alitha Martinez. Um, besides this being a very lame Freaky Friday joke that we've seen a thousand times, is there anything to say about the story? Because I got nothing.
2: I don't have anything to say either. I, it, I hate it that it was like half the issue too.
1: Yeah, it could have been shorter. If it would have been shorter, it might have been a little fun, but Boy, yeah, it was it was too much. It went on for too long. It really wore the concept out, like like you said, Brian. We've seen this concept uh, a million times, and that's fine for like ten pages in an anthology. But but this was Zach, Zach's right. This was half the issue, and um, and I think that's just because this issue the only reason we're talking about it is because there's so little to talk about this week. (laughs) Um, It's one of those fifth weeks, right. Or, or something like that. Um, Yes. But, uh, 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 the only reason this issue got published, I think is because they needed something. So they just jammed a, a bunch of those like sensational wonder woman, digital stories together.
2: Is that what these are?
1: Well, If they're not, they they, They
2: were intended for that.
1: They they sure are a lot like them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: So it it seems like if, if these weren't originally digital sensational issues, um, they were certainly concepts that, you know, they always talk about rich on bleeding cool or whatever, always talks about how uh, DC and Marvel have stories that are quote unquote waiting in the drawer somewhere you know right right that's what these feel like whether that's true or not that's what they feel like and so it really comes off as hey we got a week here that's kind of light we could throw wonder woman's name on it we could throw some stories that we have pitches for sitting around put this together it doesn't have to be much you know well, I, I ju- and yeah. it was, it was going fine, but that, yeah, this third story is just too long.
0: I agree completely. And then, uh, the fourth story, oh, that's it. Sorry, that's it, right? Yeah, three stories. Yeah, just three. <laughs> that, just three. That's it. So that's... it felt so long. I thought there was a fourth story. Well, it oh, wasn't man. like an 80 page issue.
2: So you wouldn't maybe expect it to have like yeah. four or five stories, but, um, nope. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, again, like this, this doesn't hurt anybody, but it's not, it's not great there could have been a better use of of everyone's time here but oh well but uh speaking of use of everyone's time we're gonna get to that in just a minute as we take a break and we'll return with a discussion of shadow war alpha number one i guess number only <laughs> it's a one shot hello we're the hosts of the Multiverse manga club podcast i'm emily
2: i'm zach and i'm walter Each month we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster,
0: A Silent Voice,
2: and Pokemon Adventures.
0: We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note.
2: At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts,
0: or your podcatcher of choice. And we're back with Shadow War Alpha, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Victor Bogdanovic. Um, The first thing I want to say about this is I was surprised. It wasn't a huge amount, but I was surprised by the references to Event Leviathan in this Ah, uh, that was something that Williamson was not involved with at all, and we saw—we've all seen this as sort of the culmination of what Williamson's been doing in Deathstroke and Batman and Robin. But it's interesting that he's drawing from Event Leviathan too, and I—I appreciate it. I think it makes this feel really cohesive in like the last couple of years of DC Comics. And overall, I thought this is a pretty enjoyable first issue. I have a, I do have some more stuff to say about it, but I want to get your sort of initial first thoughts on this as the kickoff to the Shadow War event. So, Zach, what did you think?
2: I really liked this a lot. I was chatting a little bit with Vince about it in secret spoilers chat because Brian didn't opt in. Um,
0: I hadn't read it yet
2: well At least, that's what he's saying that's what i'm saying you didn't opt in um this felt just extremely satisfying from like a continuity junkie point of perspective like both both just in terms of all the stuff that williamson has been doing which i did i also mainlined all of um not all of but i caught up on deathstroke and robin prior to this and just like how satisfying this is as a continuation of that stuff. And then also, like you said, picking up on some of the threads that Bendis was doing, even if we didn't necessarily like all that stuff. Um, it, it makes sense that it would show up here. And there's just some like really satisfying moments in this, like uh, Bruce reuniting with Damien. Uh, all the stuff with Rachel and Talia was good. The big moment with Rachel Al Ghul was very surprising i think and um yeah i i really dug this and i'm excited to see where it's gonna go and i was not really excited about this at all (laughs) before i read it
0: um i have a rachel ghoul comment but i'm gonna save it for the batman episode next week okay um
2: I also I have a big theory but I probably well, can't talk about it until next week.
0: That's why I'm saving mine for next week too because it's, it okay. it sort of leads to some other theories or whatever. But um okay. what did you think of this?
1: Well, first of all, I just wanted to get this off when you we were bringing up the event Leviathan stuff. The Brian Michael Bendasance is real. <laughs> there it is. And not really. I just wanted to say Bendasance. Um uh I like this a lot. Uh, Zach nailed it when he said it like scratches the continuity itch. I think something we talk about a lot in the show that we are dying for is for books to be referencing other books to make the DC universe feel like a universe again. Yes. And I think that has been an on and off complaint since the new 52, obviously. And back then it was because they were, um, they were doing uh, shared continuity, but they were doing it in a really weird way where like, yeah, they had months where like, it was mandated that the books crossed over with one another. Right. But they only did it in highly specific pockets. Right. Like it's, um, uh, it's every book had to have like suicide squad in it at some point. Right. <laughs> or Batman had to show up in every book. But you you never got the feeling there were there were certain corners of the DCU that would never touch, right? Right. And I think there, when DC is at its best, at least in a modern sense, we always talk about like that that lead up to Infinite Crisis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Morris, the Morrison Bat stuff, and the and and the Bat world that was kind of built around it. Um, final crisis to a degree where it legitimately felt like any part of the DCU could touch a story, mm-hmm. you know? Um, now I, I'm this shadow war does not fully deliver on that, but it's an, an, an example at DC right now in the lead up to dark crisis that I think everything is going in that direction. And we've thought that before and we've kind of been let down or, 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 you know, DC would pull us in and then relent on it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and get off by being withholding <laughs> um, to quote the development. <laughs> but uh, uh, it it really is starting to feel like all these books are going to touch one another. And, there are going to be references made to what's going on in other books. And it's, it's, it's heading towards crisis level stuff. One of my, yes. critis- you yeah, know,
2: it does. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like one of my criticisms of infinite frontier as is well documented is that all this crazy shit is happening in the multiverse and none of the other books care about it at all. You know, and now we're finally and I know you guys have said this and I, you've been right that like it's a waiting game. Oh, eventually they're going to do it. It seemed crazy to me that 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 if you have a miniseries called Infinite Frontier. That that this whole status quo wasn't like this, you know, Mm -hmm. but nevertheless, that's the past and we are where we are now. Everything is finally getting to that point. And I love when DC Comics does that. And so, you know, you can't really get me to care about something called like the Shadow War. Like I don't I've never been big on like the espionage angle at Marvel or DC, you know, right. Secret Avengers, stuff like that, you know, like the, the books may be good, but the concept itself is not the most intriguing thing in the world to me. But as I'm reading this, and as I'm seeing how it touches other books, and as I'm thinking about how it could be leading into Dark Crisis, or how the Robin book and the Bat books lead into this, and how um, the youthful characters from Robin are getting uh, dragged into this as well, Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything from the next issue, from the issue of Batman that that you guys both have referenced already, but there's hints that even parts of the DCU that we haven't thought about in a while may be getting roped in. And that's all really exciting to me. And then to top it all off, sorry, I'm like on the dais here, <laughs> uh, monologuing, but the, the part that is most exciting to me is that Williamson is writing really lean lately. I talked about it with um, Robin. I talked about it with his more recent issues of uh, Deathstroke Inc. Mm -hmm. But the early issues of Deathstroke Inc. I felt were plagued a little bit by exposition or a little bit. They were a little bit too wordy. He's in a place right now where he's writing extremely lean. Like every page is just plot, 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 action, action, action. And there's character thrown in there. Uh, to to a to a suitable degree, but it's not bogging down at all in narration in exposition. It's just moving. There are even times where it feels kind of silly how fast it's moving, but I prefer that than to get bogged down. And what I'm saying is, like uh, at the at the very beginning of this issue, you get like a one page. Uh, a one-page summary of of Rachel Gould's life against Batman, against the Justice League, et cetera, and then in the very next issue, he's like, ah, "I'm an old fucking man," you know, and then like, <laughs> and then a couple a couple of pages later, he's turning himself in to uh, uh, what's the organization? Um, uh, DEO. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And so, like yeah it's a little silly how fast it moves sometimes
0: but that's damn it that's how comics should be you know um well it's to to echo that point i feel like more happened in this issue than happened in at least the first two maybe three issues of the trial of the amazons
2: oh yeah, yeah. definitely
0: mm-hmm. like this this just got us into a place where we now have a a real sense of the size and scope of the event. And it's all laid out in front of us. And we know the characters we have. We just, we, I think it's a really excellent first issue for that reason. So go on Vince. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just about done. I've
1: spoken too much, but, but on your point about the trial, of the Amazons thing, and I'm not singling out trial, of the Amazons here. So many events do this. So many crossovers do this. So many other crossovers. The last page of this issue would have been Rachel Gould saying, "We're gonna turn ourselves in," <laughs> and
2: right.
1: then that would be the you know that would be the cliffhanger. But everything before then would have been like an extremely slow build up with lots of exposition, and this just moves, you know. Um,
0: but I, I've said too much. Somebody else talk. You haven't said too much. I think no, you said you, just you, enough.
2: You, you've said you've said enough. Not too much, but enough. You, you've you've <laughs> had a lot of good things to say.
1: Oh, good. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm trying to think. I, what did you, what did you all think of the Bogdanovic art?
1: I'm I'm sour. I, I'm souring on it as a Capullo ripoff. <laughs>
2: In terms like, of it, like being a Capullo ripoff or being a good Capullo ripoff, <laughs> like like impression. I look at
1: it, like I look at it and it's subtle, but I wish I were looking at Capullo art. You know what I mean?
2: That's fair. Yeah, yeah. It's did uh, who inked this? It's not Glebion. Henrique's. Okay. Henriques, yeah. And... That maybe has something to do with it.
1: I just. I think Capullo has more flair in the kind of panel design and, and, and camera angle for lack of a better, you know, he's got, he's got more flair in how he stages things. Yeah.
2: That's, that's fair. I don't think this looked bad though. Like as far, I I still feel like this had kind of like a big, um, eventy feel to it. Um, the big moment was handled very well. I think like those, that moment? string of pages, uh, Rach's assassination. Okay. Like the, the page with the bang followed by the page with death stroke. Uh, and really kind of like the following sequence I thought was handled pretty well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not like, I, I don't, I think you're right. It is not, on the level with Capullo where at, at times in the past, I, I might have even I might have put Bogdanovic on par with and maybe even given him the edge, uh, which I don't I can't do that here.
0: Yeah, I, I think that this was overall pretty solid Bogdanovic art. I think part of my uh, souring on him is just because of him as a person, not him as an artist. <laughs> Based on his uh, online activities and whatnot, so um, you know that's that that's on me, not on his art. I thought that, like Zach said, the moment of the, uh, the assassination that was really well, really well handled. I also thought that the the Bruce Damien reconciliation moment was very well handled. It was very understated artistically.
2: Well, um, they reconcil- Reconciliation.
0: They... No, I'm sorry. Uh, their reconnection, rather.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, because there's the big moment where, like, Bruce is
0: says the shittiest the thing worst? he's ever to Yeah, yeah. I no, mean... no, 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 no. I, I meant like when they first see each other again. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. The, the way that panel is framed, is just there's a lot of space. I mean, there's literally a gulf between them. They're on I, two different rooftops. Like, I thought that was done, done really well.
2: I kind of wanted to talk about how, like, for the last few years, like we have just constantly had Damien at odds with Bruce um, pretty much throughout like most of the rebirth era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think it was like about halfway through was when that second Titans run started where he kind of went rogue. Yeah. Um, and he has kind of been on the outs with Bruce ever since then. And like, the writers continue to just kind of double down on that. And, and maybe Williamson is like working us out of that, but it's just taking like a long time to do so. But this, like, this is the low point, I think um, of of several years of low points.
0: Yeah. You don't really come back from that comment. Yeah. I Which mean, one? they
2: will, cause it's comics, but
0: right. it's, uh, in,
2: in real life, it's like really <laughs> shitty. Bruce is a yeah. bad dad.
0: Yeah. For those who 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 did not read the issue, um, he basically Bruce says like, so Damien says, I've lost two grandfathers because of you or "I've like, on your watch or whatever he says, implying both Alfred and uh, and rage. And then Bruce says, Alfred would have been fine if I was there. So essentially, which is just, you know, <laughs> just the worst thing to say. Even if it's true, which I don't necessarily believe that it is from like an in story reason, I don't think that I mean, Bruce is just talking hubris, right? But it's not. He has no evidence of that. But it's a horrible, horrible thing to say to your kid. Just just horrible. Uh, Bruce is a bad dad. But no, I thought this issue overall was pretty. um, Well, it was a pretty great start to this crossover. And we have talked ad nauseum about how DC is doing crossovers faster nowadays, how, you know, War War for Earth 3 and Trial of the Amazons, all these things are just about a month, give or take, depending on some shipping delays and just general supply chain Michigas. But I think that this is setting up for an event that not only looks to be interesting, but also one that. I mean, th- there's a couple of moving pieces here, but it doesn't feel so overwhelmingly big that it's going to be. I, th- what I'm basically trying to say is, the Vince, the word you used for um, Williamson's writing before was uh, what exactly? I think you said lean, L- lean, maybe lean. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be a very lean crossover, and I, I'm very happy about that. Mm.
2: I'm like endlessly fascinated now as I'm kind of getting myself hyped up for dark crisis, how this is going to play into dark crisis.
0: Well, I, uh, hang on. I'm scrolling to the end here to see, (laughs) see what I can say here. Um, okay. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say too much here. Um, no, I guess I can say this. Okay. So, so we know that, that, uh, it's not really, it's uh, it's it's not really uh, Deathstroke that has that is assassinated, or at least he's claiming it's not really Deathstroke that has assassinated. Rachel Ghoul, mm-hmm. and we know that Deathstroke is a big part of the sort of villains' crew of Dark Crisis. I forget what they're calling themselves. The Demon Shadow. No wait. Oh, no, sorry. No. That, that's in this. The
2: Secret Society. Yeah, that's in this. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and so I feel like this is just going to essentially double him down as a villain whereas Mm. it's funny because this is this is sort of implying that he didn't do the bad thing here but i think that ultimately this is going to like make him realize that he's he he can't be a tweener anymore he has to he has Mm. to decide that's interesting because i'm still i'm still sticking with my you remember my
1: theory that he's gonna be a he's going to be the double crosser in the secret society in dark crisis. Oh, interesting. well, okay.
2: I dark. So like secret society. Yeah. Like he it's, in Deathstroke, he has kind of like said, like, I can't be the hero. So I will be the villain. And he's like right. choosing to make himself the villain. And now he is being like framed to look like the villain again. And I, I'm, I mean, I guess it could go either way. I think like he is, st- even though he like has claimed the like he i'll make myself the villain he is still kind of like riding that line a little bit and i'm curious to see which I, I feel like williamson is getting close to making like of course nothing in comics is definitive but like the definitive statement on like who is slade wilson and it's like he's either going to do something like worse than he's ever done by the end of dark crisis or he's going to end up being the person who saves everybody so
1: he's gonna my my uh, my bet is my money's on he's gonna be the hero yeah yeah i mean we can we can we could we could
0: take bets here if we wanted to Um, of course of course you'd say that (laughs) 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 no we're i think i'm good on this one um but you know this is an excellent issue i'm very happy about this um, let's dig into the swamp thing number eleven. This is the first part of season two of this book. This is written by Rom V. Oh, I didn't read Perkinson. this. I didn't know
2: we had actually decided on reading this.
0: Didn't didn't we talk about that, FNC? <laughs> no, we, we didn't we said maybe we didn't? Oh, I thought we said <laughs> no. it. He, can, no. I just can I talk about you two quick can... things then? You, you can, can go about, off.
2: Uh, you can go off. And I I did see that Jack Hawksmore is in it, so I'm here for that. Yes. So, yeah. so uh
0: the, a couple of really cool things in this issue. First of all, this run is so good. I forgot how good this issue was. Um how good this run is, rather, because it's been away for a while, but it's so good. But yeah, Jack Hawksmore shows up, which is great. There's also a random Green Lantern in space that we don't know who it is yet. Um, like an alien Green Lantern. I was interested in that. And um but more than that, are you guys at all familiar with the character known as Tefei Holland? Yeah, no, that's uh, Holland?
2: Yeah, that's uh, his daughter.
0: Do you know how that daughter was conceived?
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, he, oh, he got possessed, I do know this. Yeah. He, like, uh, possessed Constantine's body. And, yes, so I could, had totally uh, forgotten yeah, about that. That's in the war run, right?
0: Uh, uh, maybe? I'm pretty
2: sure it is. It
0: might be, yeah. Um, no, it looks like it's not. It's not? No. Um, anyway, regardless. what? what, Where was it then? When that particularly happened? I mean, the, the character of Sprout, which is the female spirit that, um... They tried to find a body from a deceased person, but was eventually given to Abby Holland. They're reading the from Wikipedia. That happened, I believe, in the Rick Veitch run, which happens after Alan Moore. This is after. she wasn't. This character wasn't even introduced until 87, and I'm pretty sure Alan Moore well, yeah, was off she, Swamp Thing by 87. She was a baby, right? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure well, Alan Moore was off Swamp Thing by 87.
2: I'm pretty sure it was in Swamp Thing, but hang, I'll check.
0: Hang on, hang on.
2: What, wait, what is, what is Swamp Thing's... Uh what's what's his Abby, Abby Alec Holland. Abby Arcane. Arcane.
0: Let's see. Anyway, uh, let me talk about the issue just for a second here. Um so they in, they reintroduced that character. Doug Wheeler a, and Pat Broderick. Yeah. Anyway, they reintroduced that character in a really good way in this issue. The Hawksmore stuff is really well handled in this issue, too. This is a really fun issue, and uh, I'm glad that we're going to be uh, getting more of this, and I hope we can talk about this more in the future. That's all I want to say. Are you satisfied, Zach?
2: Yeah, I'm satisfied.
0: It's not Alan Moore? Okay. Uh, all
2: right. So then, <clears throat> I was trying to find what issue it was.
0: 90 All right, let's finish up with War for Earth 3, number two, written by Robbie Thompson and Dennis Hopeless, illustrated by Kieran McEwen, Ariel Olivetti, Julio Ferreira, and Brent Peoples. Uh, there is one line on this that I loved, which was uh, <laughs> the, uh, Etrigan says, attention, snogging humans. At one point, I think it's Etrigan, Wait, whatever. It might be the Earth 3 version of the demon, but he says, attention, snogging humans, and two characters are kissing, and I enjoyed that. Um, other than that, I thought this did a, a halfway decent job wrapping up this event, even though I feel like it's sort of an ev- when you're doing a crossover with a couple of books and it's not just taking place inside the, like, the main title. I always expect more to happen than what happened. To you. Like, ultimately, the only thing that really happened in this issue was that it somewhat sets up a new status quo.
2: Okay, I have to go. I have to interject. Issue okay. ninety is the issue where she was born. I'm pretty sure that the sex issue happened in the <laughs> Alan Moore run.
0: Okay, I don't know. I, 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 I you're wrong about the beards. That's no, couple, it's it is. from the TV show The State.
2: No, yeah. okay, maybe it is Veitch. It's in the Veitch it run. Is. It is. It's, <laughs> it was issue seventy-six, yeah. which was yeah. eighty-eight.
0: Yeah. Again.
2: Well, we were all kind of wrong. No,
0: I, I never said it was the Alan Moore run. I, I disagree with that from the beginning.
2: <laughs> we were all kind of wrong.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, Zach, we were all kind of wrong.
2: We were all kind of wrong.
0: Yeah, sure. Anyway, um, what I was saying was I feel like this was a lot of crossover for not a lot of payoff story wise. Not that I expected this to be the most impactful story in the history of the <laughs> but like nothing happens in this crossover kind of what's so funny
2: since none of this since warfare three doesn't matter can i read you this bit from the wiki about this issue of swamp thing (laughs) sure as they kiss abby is disgusted by the leftover taste of years of cigarette smoke in constantine's mouth in response swamp thing grows chlorophyll in his throat and longs to nullify it before they can continue abby expresses her concern that constantine might have been exposed to aids swamp thing enters constantine's bloodstream and checks for anomalies where he finds no trace of aids
1: man there was a lot of stuff in the 80s and early 90s about aids in comics that
0: <laughs> yes there was that really doesn't age well not, sure. not
2: great not great. going
0: going even later than that like kevin smith's uh uh, daredevil run begins with an aids thing and that was like 2001 i think oh really okay i don't i didn't read that oh, yeah oh man well that's <laughs> anyway also War for very Earth non-scientific yeah. but we <laughs> three not not enough happened to justify this event but it was kind of fun that's my review vince
1: i man
0: this fell off
1: <laughs> right <laughs> The first couple issues of this, I, I was against all odds. I was into. Take it.
0: Take a look at me now. Stop!
1: Stop doing that. That's come on. Never, never. <laughs> I need to find a different phrase then. <laughs> yes, um, you do. <laughs> the only reason I say against all odds is because is the drill tweet where he says uh, uh, something about you know I post some. I can't remember how, exactly how it's worded, but it's you know something something. My good opinions online. And against all odds, I do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I always say against all odds um, but anyway, uh this, yeah, I um I was digging this despite not liking the suicide squad, not liking Ambush bug, not liking Amanda Waller <laughs> like it, it had everything going against it, and I was liking it and then all the stuff that i think is annoying about these epically dark characters like rears its head in this issue and reminds me why i don't like any of this um just don't care about the principal members of the of task force x and amanda waller screwing one another over and don't care about her forming a team of even more twisted people than she's ever had on her team before <laughs> and that kind of thing. You just, yeah, oh man, you just can't get me to like this kind of thing, I guess. Ultimately. Um, I, I, I was falling asleep halfway through this one.
2: I, I thought it was pretty poorly like put together or like paced because you have that scene early on where like the Titans Academy kids like sneak in while like at the same time, Harley and mirror master are sneaking in and then it like cuts away. And like, that scene isn't resolved, but Harley and mirror master are doing something completely different. And it, uh, for, until those kids come back, I was just like, did they forget that that scene happened? Um, <laughs> and it's like, it's like 10 or 15 pages later that you get, the follow-up um, I I don't get what the point of this story really was I mean I haven't been keeping up with Suicide Squad so I'm like in the dark about some of this stuff but um, yeah I, I didn't I, I don't even think I liked the first issue that much and I didn't like any of the tie-ins um, and I thought that this was a pretty uninteresting finale. So yeah, didn't like this.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it ends with sorry, Brian. Let me just sneak go ahead. this no, point go in. Ahead, Please, it ends with Amanda Waller saying, "I've always wanted a Justice League
0: of my own." Which That's the fucking Suicide Squad Waller. They should have
2: right, called it, this arc the Justice League of her own.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which not only is Batman that man sui- up. <laughs> Not only is that the Suicide Squad, but it's also she got a Suicide Squad of her own four issues ago. And then it just ends with that. It's not exactly the same team, but it's close enough. Like, what was the point the the, 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 the crossover bit in, involving the Flash, which that was a pretty well done issue, even though it had to be part of this crossover but we talked about how the Teen Titans issue kind of sucked as both an issue on its own and a member of this crossover, mm-hmm. and it ultimately felt pointless. Why was that
0: even involved? You know, I guess to get Mirror, Mirror Master a little bit more page time. <laughs> I guess, and I just I, thought I, I, that that's was not involved.
1: But yeah, I, the Teen Titans were not involved. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, man, this... like Zach said, I didn't even really like it all that much, but like, the first couple issues were, they, they at least grabbed my interest way more than I thought they would, and
0: it fumbled the bag. Yeah, I'll agree with that completely. I think this is uh, this is one of those instances where, even though the the crossover was fast and was lean, it just felt totally unnecessary at the end of the day, and that's a that's a bummer. So, anyway, uh, I'm going to stall for thirty seconds here to give Vince the time to look up next week's books because he always complains that I don't give him enough time for that. So this is just me stalling a little bit. Uh, I am holding a baseball, keeping my desk. I got I it. With... I got it. ahead. that was
1: way better than dead air. Okay, um, but, not as, right. but not as good as preparing before the show. Fuck, fuck off, man! I have to. Okay, just to let the listeners in on what goes on here, the way that I do it, and you're right. Maybe there's maybe there's a better way, but the way that I do it is we have the box that has all the comics in it, and while we record the show, I'm in the current week's box. And then at the end I have to back out and I have to get into the next week's box. And then I read the comics off and that works fine. Most of the time, except when there's the next week is not there sometimes. And then I get screwed and I get stuck, but that's why this happens. And
0: my, my honest suggestion is just to open up two tabs and have this week's box in one and next week's in the other. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't let me. Uh, Yeah, sure. Are you,
2: are you on? he's probably not on a PC like you are.
0: I'm on a desktop I'm on a Mac.
2: That's why I, I mean. Like a, he's, he might be on, I'm on a tablet, so I can't open up two tabs. It's all, it's all just the box.
1: Yeah. I'm on the app. Um, but nevertheless, this is very boring for the listeners, but you know, it's, no, it's, they, <laughs>
2: they probably like the stuff.
1: Sickos. It's the reason why I fumble half the time. Um, anyway. Okay. The books for four or five, Batman 122, Batman Beyond Neo Year One, uh, Batman Killing Time number two, Earth Prime Batwoman number one. Uh, <laughs> did you notice they're reprinting the Flashpoint Batman Night Avengers? I was so confused yes.
0: by that when I saw it in our box. Like, wait a minute. This is, this is, well, uh, that's, oh, yeah, that's what that is. Okay.
1: In case you don't know that what the Flashpoint Batman is at this point, yeah. you could go back and read that. Um, monkey prince number three one star squadron number five suicide squad 14 wonder woman historia
0: the amazons book two and world of krypton number five so we'll be back next week to talk about that but in if you just get in touch with us before then uh, i am on twitter at brian needs a nap
2: and i am nominally on twitter at Walker fox but i check my twitter like once every two weeks now so
0: you gotta at him if you want him yeah, if you want to get at him and if you want to find Vince, of course, he is over on Farmers Only. He is currently uh, preparing for a very, very busy uh, season of crying ahead of the national show in September. So just send him some some nice uh, some fluids to keep him nice and hydrated because he's going to be a teary mess at that show. Don't send me fluids. <laughs> Any fluids you want. He's not picky. <laughs> literally anything you got. Send it to him.
1: <laughs> I found the. Can I can I read off the drill tweet I was talking about? Yes, go ahead. I'm the only guy who knows how to call out the bullshit of society the smart way, and against all odds,
0: I do it for free. That is a funny tweet, but uh <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Take care.
1: Where's my motherfucking movie check?